When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is it. The week that Penn State fans have been waiting for. I think Michigan fans have been waiting for it too. Penn State at Michigan on Saturday afternoon. The big house at noon. National game. Fox. You name it. The hype is here. We're ready to talk about it. I'm Nate Bauer. He is Sean Fitz. This is the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition. Sean. Hello. Oh, there's so much. There is so much. It's, it's such a big week. week. Uh, massive week for Penn State. Uh, this is not, I don't think you would call it Penn State's biggest game of the season with Ohio State lurking in a couple of weeks, but probably the most vital, I would say. You know, this is the one that's going to set the tone for October. Uh, Northwestern aside, which was obviously October 1st uh, and played in a, in a slop. I mean, this three games is uh, that, that's it for Penn State. That's that is the the fulcrum of the season. We will see what happens uh, over the next couple of weeks. Going to Ann Arbor has been very tricky for James Franklin. Uh, it's been uh, I mean, it's always tricky for, for I mean, that's a, a tremendous atmosphere. One of the great college football programs of all time. And then, you know, you, you take it on the road. You play big noon Saturday. That's uh, th- there's a lot going against Penn State this week. But two Top 10 teams, uh, fairly evenly matched. We'll talk a little bit about both uh, coming up, but uh, it's, it's an exciting weekend. I, I kind of phrased it as it's like a, a class where 90% of your grade happens over two exams. And there's, a, there's another, right? But for the most part, Penn State fans wanted to see the ship righted this year off of what happened, obviously, over the last two years for this program. Um, but you know, getting to five and zero is fine. If you come out of the two games that you just mentioned, Michigan and Ohio state with zero for two, uh, you know, even at 10 and two for the season, I don't think anybody's going to be satisfied. And so obviously I don't want to spend any time talking about the, uh, completion of the season and, and looking at it on the whole, but you have to look at this game in that context of this is it. This this is the game that Penn State fans want to see Penn State win. You're, and Penn you're channel, State, you're, you're channeling your inner Tom Bradley here with uh, with the expectations of the expectations, the expectations you know, that, that kind yeah. of that kind of talk right now. But you're right. I mean, this is the, this is the litmus test. I mean, you you don't want to throw. I mean, it's college football. You get 12 games a year, 13 games with a bowl game. You don't want to throw out any of those games because this is why we follow the team all season long. This is why we you know we are employed. This is why people follow our podcast. This is why people post on our message board. Yeah. But the one and no mentality will get you so far. You know when you're playing Michigan. You know when you're playing Ohio State. Those are the top two in the Big Ten that you always look for, even when Michigan's down. That is yeah. one that you circle on on the calendar as one of those potential uh, whiteout games. Obviously, you know Fox has has different ideas for that. But uh, no, this is uh, this is a big one, and 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 you're absolutely right. It's no matter the success of those other nine or 10 games. These are the two that, that, that pop up every year and that they're just so huge. Yep. 
Yep. No. And, and uh, you know, certainly it's been interesting looking back at, uh, at, at certainly the series that Penn State has had with Michigan uh, and then Ohio State as well. It's, it's kind of interesting if you look at the nature of the games over the last, right, five or six years, Penn State has played Ohio State more consistently, closely in that range, but has lost all of them or all but one dating back to 2016. Whereas with Michigan, some of the decisions in this series have been more lopsided uh, in Michigan's favor, but also in Penn state's favor. And so you, you end up seeing these uh, these games that have been more lopsided, but the series itself, I, I believe is even at three and three uh, between these two teams over the last six years. So yeah. enough, sorry, go ahead. No, go, I mean, it, it, it's been, You've played the you run the gamut. I mean, you remember that game in 2018 out in Ann Arbor, 42 to seven. I mean, yeah. nothing was ever close. The last time out there, 2016, the year Penn State won a Big Ten title, they lost 49 to 10 out there. Yep. Penn State rebounded, you know, beat them 42 to 13 the following year. But the last couple of, of matchups have all been close. According, of course, last year Michigan with the late touchdown, 127 or 21 to 17. Um, yeah, that it's it's been a series that's been all over the map, but it has come back down to uh, sort of uh, needling it and, and narrowing the focus and getting the score close. And I think that's the the type of game that these coaches are comfortable playing. Not that neither would love a wouldn't love a blowout, but yeah. the, both these coaches try to control it. James Franklin said it on uh, Wednesday night after practice. Michigan is so good; they might not score fifty points, but they're so good at controlling it and. Like we said against Northwestern, never putting it in doubt. And yep. you know, you, you felt that way against Indiana last weekend, even though Indiana played them tight. Maryland has played them tight. The rest of their schedule has not been good. Uh, you, you can't, number one, fault them for that because these schedules are made so far in advance, but you also can't take a ton away from that. So I think yep. it's it's very interesting to look at this as a matchup of, of two teams that – maybe get conservative in big games that's been the label for for both sides and that's been you know let's let's be honest that's the label for 90 percent of college coaches that's yeah that's of course you but you'll end up with a close game i think uh either way and that's the way that it's trending over the last couple of matchups you uh you mentioned practice so before we get to michigan in full i think it's uh it's worth our time to discuss a little bit of what has happened in Penn State land over the last couple of days uh, between James Franklin's Tuesday press conference, what we were able to see at practice on Wednesday night, and James Franklin's comments afterwards. Uh, from the offensive side of the ball, I, I kind of took the lead on that side. You were watching the defense. Um, offensively, there were some big returns, right, in terms of guys who were at, at minimum, practicing. Uh, the the chief among them being Keandre Lambert-Smith was back with the receivers, running routes, to, to participating. Okay? Um, you know, can you go deeper than that when Penn State likes to run some of the tricks that they do in terms of player availability? No. Can't guarantee that he will be available, but he looked okay on Wednesday night, and I think that that is significant. Tyler Warren, who has been out for, uh, he was out for the Northwestern game, also back uh, with the tight ends practicing. That's important. He he, Him not being available is uh, kind of sig significant, I think, to what Penn State does there uh, offensively and particularly in that tight end room. 
Hunter Norzad has missed each of the past two games. He missed Central Michigan, and that was kind of framed as being a precautionary measure uh, that they wanted to, uh, you know, make sure that he was available for Northwestern uh, by keeping him out for Central Michigan. And uh, guess what? He ended up not playing it against Northwestern as well. So he was back in practice. He was working at center. So it could be something of note. Uh, and then last but not least, on the offensive side of the ball, Jaden Dotton, who played very briefly at the beginning of that Ohio game in week two, uh, but had not been seen since either in practice or games. Uh, you know, he's been at the games, been on the sidelines, but he hasn't been dressed uh, for those those uh, three games following. Um, so that's that's kind of a little bit of the rundown on the offensive side of the ball. We'll get to it in a little bit here. Uh, ball security was a major theme uh, and, you know, Again, we we always are at the ball security portion of practice, and so trying to to you know cut through it and decipher how much more emphasis is on it this week as opposed to other weeks is is just a stupid mission. It's a full it's a fool's errand, um, but no, it you know it's one of those things that I think you you couldn't help but uh, but notice on Wednesday night that they were talking about. How about the defensive side of the ball? Defensive side of the ball, great to see Zariah Fisher back. If you follow my Twitter, I put a, a clip up of Zariah running around, and you know he hurt his knee back in the spring. He's still out for the season. Nothing's changing there, but to see him where he's at in his recovery um, is just awesome, and it's a boost for for next year. I know we're talking about Michigan this week, but you you look at what Penn State brings back at the end next year, um, and especially with the emergence of Amin Vanover and, and Deny Dennis Sutton. You throw Zariah Fisher into that mix, and you're starting to feel pretty decent about what Penn State has coming back. Now he's he's got to work. He's got work to do to get where he needs to be. Um, don't, again, we're not going to see him this year. James Franklin said after practice he's took another step, but he's not. He, nothing has changed in that in that nature. But Zariah Fisher, 36, great to see him back out there. Uh, defensively, I mean, you just look at um, we talk, we tried to take away some sort of buzz from from practice, and and we said it against I think it was Central Michigan. We said it that it seemed a little bit down after Auburn when it was it was buzzing out there. Um, it seemed smoother last night. I think um, I, yeah. I don't know that it was like overwhelmingly electric or anything like that. But you and I talked afterwards. Even James Franklin seemed a little bit more at ease than you would expect him to in a big game week. So um not sure what to take out of that, but it seems relaxed. It seems positive um, from that manner. Not, I'm not saying people are slacking here or anything like that. So yeah, um, yeah I mean, from, from the defensive side of, 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 of the ball status quo uh, business as usual, Manny Diaz, it's, it's been fun to watch him settle in. I know that's been a, a topic of conversation among the media this week is what does Manny Diaz bring, but watching him settle in, watching him get more comfortable, you know, central Pennsylvania is not Miami. That's, that's quite obvious, but looking at him being more comfortable around his players, um, teaching the offense, what they're doing on defense is going to help them on offense. I, you know, just little things like that. I think it's coming through. And as someone who was a little bit skeptical that egos of major college football head coaches could work together like that seamlessly after having really not worked together before, that is certainly a positive. And, and it's been fun to watch Manny Diaz defense. They've been flying around. These guys are, I don't want to say learning on the fly, but they're learning a lot and picking up a lot and putting that into action. It's resulted in forced turnovers. It's resulted in pressures and, and things like that. Things that make it more fun to watch defense and not that Brent prize defense, anything was wrong with that. Um, but this one is certainly a little bit more of an entertaining brand of football. And, you know, Penn state has 
established themselves as one of the better secondaries in the country because of that. And it's, it's been fun to watch these guys ball hawk. Yeah. Yeah. No, no question about it. They have been uh, opportunistic as a defense. Uh, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of the buzz and the demeanor. I mean, <clears throat> I think uh, in, intentionally or deliberately poised is, is the way to put it right. There's no shenanigans, the, nothing, nothing feisty last night. I, I don't think it's a, um, as you said, it's not as though it's slacking off or taking it easy. It's hey, this is, this is the goal at hand and this is how, uh, you know, Penn State intends to achieve it. And, and then you th- bring PJ Mustafer out afterwards. That's the definition <laughs> yeah. of poise and relax. Yeah, yeah. He's fantastic, man. I, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about him. He's been, he's been sort of that stalwart that you just lean to, just the even flow guy. That's been really cool to to watch him grow and and get him getting him back for a, another year is just, uh, it's an amazing boost, especially especially in a game like this where they're gonna yeah. they're gonna need him big time. Yeah, and and Sean Clifford was available to the media uh, as well, I believe on on Wednesday, Wednesday or Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, over Zoom, and you know it 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 brings back into this stark focus. Those are the types of guys who have been through it and have been around that Penn State is going to lean on uh, in a game like this in terms of setting the standards for all of the other pieces who haven't right. Like uh Katron Allen, Nick Singleton have not been, you know, to the big house for, to, to play in a game. Right. I mean, all, all of those, those many pieces, the, the King brothers, right. Who are going to be a, a topic of conversation this week, just based on the fact that they're from Michigan. I'm not sure if you knew that Sean. Oh, um, first time yeah, I know in, insight. Uh, no. So, so you, you just look around the roster and you see this, this, you know, this gap, right. Of, of guys who have been at Penn state for five and six years uh, and, and guys on the other end of the spectrum who just have not been around, who are, are going to have a new experience. Uh, James Franklin brought up, it, I was funny. I, I kind of lasered in on it, but he said uh, he used the, the phrase big boy ball <laughs> about, about the type of game that this is going to be. Do you want to, you know, maybe touch on, why that is like it's not it's not just lip service right you can you can have all of the cliches that you want about the big 10 and the brand of football that the big 10 represents but with michigan and particularly to to penn state and what penn state wants to be this is this is something else michigan has established itself as a program like this i mean jim harbaugh's running been running that offense since he was at stanford you know in the nfl where you're trying to to grind it out and you, you know, they've got a great running back like Corum who can bounce that outside and really make the most of it. But that is their identity. That is how they have won games. And and that is how you can win a four point game. And it feels like a 10 point game. You know, that, that is where they're at. That's where they're comfortable playing. And Penn State is going to go in there and try and play that kind of game as well, which, you know, is, is another one of those things probably working against, against Penn State this weekend, because they haven't been as successful running the ball in the last couple of seasons. So, can they do that? I, I think they can. I, you you look at Michigan on, up front on both sides, talented, of course. Um, they've recruited very well. They recruit to their scheme. They recruit the, the way that they play the game, and that has has benefited them, of course, with a college football playoff appearance last year. But, they, you know, they can be vulnerable. If Penn State gets after them, they have the ability to disrupt it and, and, and really set them behind. Now, 
things have to fall into place and things have to work very well. We mentioned PJ Mustaver. He's got to be, he's got to play one of his better games this week. Those, those defensive ends that we talk about their pass rush have to play the, the, the run, but yeah, you've got to be physical. You, you know, if you're a Penn state fan, you've been itching for this type of game. You just need yeah. to see how this type of team can respond. And, you know, with, with all due respect to Auburn, um, you know, Purdue, any of the games that the, the tougher games on Penn State's schedule early in the season, which will help Penn State into figuring out what type of team they are. That's not this this type of game. And I think that that's really where Penn State has to grow. This Penn State has to focus on going after these guys up front and and over trying to overwhelm them. Not sure that they're going to do it, but trying to overwhelm them on both sides of that line of scrimmage. Very simple things. You mentioned lip service earlier, cliches about the Big Ten, but Penn State's going to have to play a Big Ten game, Big Ten yeah. style game at some point. Yeah, no, it's 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 funny though because it's a it's a combination of both, right? It it's that's not Penn State doesn't at its core want to be Michigan, right? Right? They don't. They they want to be explosive. Uh, I don't know that all of the horses are available to to be that necessarily on this team this year for Penn because State. Wide receiver, go. You can say it. Yeah, they they just they don't have the receivers for it, um, yeah. and they might not have the quarterback for it. Just also true, honestly, in terms of in terms of connecting on the deep shots that Penn State wants to connect on, uh, all all of the the numbers, the data backs it up. T. Frank has talked about it uh, endlessly, and he, and he's right. It, it's just it's it's not there. If in fact, if you look at Penn State's receiving chart right now, uh, it it is very similar or reminiscent of the the rushing chart last year in that you look at the long receptions uh it's a broken play for for brenton strange and that's about it right parker washington 35 yards mitch tinsley 32 yard what you know i'm doing it from memory right now but it's just it's just they have not had that field stretching explosiveness that penn state wants to have and so because of that uh yeah, you, you brought in this dynamic of Nick Singleton who can go and has gone 70 a couple of times, 55. Um, but but you just you just don't have that receiving element. And so you you know, whether Penn State wants to stretch these guys out and beat them down the field and play their own brand of football or not, they're still going to have to move to the middle in meeting Michigan where Michigan's at in terms of dictating the terms of the game and, and having that type of presence. Can, uh, if I can dumb it down even more, like I think what you're trying to say here, Penn it State can't offense, be dumber than me. Come on, Penn, buddy. Well, that, I'm saying it for us, not for the people listening. I'm saying it for us to dumb it down as much as possible. Penn state's offense wants to be Ohio state's offense. You know, Correct. they, they want to be that explosive can score from anywhere on the field. Michigan's offense wants to be Michigan's offense. And that's great. I mean, it, it works. It certainly has worked uh, for them last year and and to the start of this season. And I think Michigan's fine being Michigan's offense. It's just Penn State wants to be that explosive offense. They're going to have to figure out how to uh, use the uh, be, be the mean of those two, I guess, because um, yep. I don't think they're at either spot right now. So yep. I think that that's the biggest thing to take away from it is, is Michigan is very good at what they do and they're content with being Michigan's offense and that and that's great but Penn State wants to be that explosive offense but I don't know that you can play that game because I don't know that you've got the quarterback and the receivers to do so this weekend yep yep uh either way whether Penn State's able to do that or not you me and uh Greg Pickle will be there and maybe some other Penn State fans will as well 
uh, which is why we're going to shout out our sponsor, Ticksman Jim, right now. Um, have you been looking for a reliable source of Penn State football tickets? Jim at TixmanJim.com, formerly at PSUTixman.com, has been running his ticket exchange in Wilmington, Delaware for over 25 years. Every buyer is handled with courtesy, respect, and every ticket purchase is guaranteed. Proceeds are used to fund the Penn State AA Chapter Scholarship Fund and the PSU Levi Lamb Fund for athletic scholarships. A couple of big games coming up, obviously, for Penn State. He actually does have Michigan tickets, uh, so worth taking a look at that road venue. Uh, But but obviously, Penn uh, Penn State, Ohio State on the backside uh, of this game – And before that, Minnesota, uh, the homecoming whiteout game. So if you are interested in tickets, finding tickets uh, for that uh, through a reliable source of getting tickets, uh, go to www.ticksmanjim.com or email Jim directly at ticksmanjim at gmail.com. Or you can also call him at 302-521-8380 if that's... Uh, the easier way to get to get in touch. Uh, that number again is 302-521-8380. Uh, so yeah, so so Penn State at Michigan. Um, what about Michigan? Right. This <laughs> it, it has been uh, the question of the week. I have spent some time watching Michigan. You have spent some time watching Michigan. Wait, wait, you know, there's there are an endless number of ways to take this, but what do you make of them given, uh, you know, the schedule that they've played, the opponents that they've played, um, and and kind of how those games have fallen out so far this season for them? I think the trap to fall into is you look at the non-conference schedule, which was among the worst we've ever seen. And that's, uh, as again, no fault of Michigan. They've scheduled some of the, I mean, they're not premier teams or anything like that, but they schedule these in advance. Then you play Maryland tight, you play Indiana tight, Iowa obviously is is Iowa, so that's going to be a low scoring on one <laughs> side at least. Um, but I think the trap to fall into is you say, are, are they good? You know, I, right. I do think they're good. You know, I I think that, that this is a good football team. It's a top five football team. We've changed sort of our outlook on college football to micro analyze every little thing and pick apart. And, and that's the trap that you can fall into is you can say, well, they haven't been overly impressive against Big Ten. You know, they, Indiana played them tight for a half, all that kind of stuff. It it, yeah. it makes you want to believe that Michigan is is probably not as good as they are, and they've they've got pieces here. They they're just they're kind of like Penn State. They've got pieces, elements of a very good team, um, just not not consistently across the board what you would want. I don't I don't think they're as good as last year's playoff team. Yeah, a big part of that. They don't have the pass rush that that they that they had last year. Obviously, two first round or I think Ojaba was early second round or, or something like that. Um, phenomenal pass rushers. Um, you lose those guys, you're going to have an issue no matter who you are. Um, you're not you're not stacking those guys at, at that position. But on this offense, 43 points a game, a uh, little bit misleading because of that non conference schedule. But you've still got J.J. McCarthy, who has been efficient. Um, I don't think he's been overwhelming, uh, but he has been efficient. He's been accurate, and that's what you ask, you're asking a sophomore to do. Um, was nation's best completion percentage? I, I had yeah. it, but uh, yeah, he's 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 been pretty he's been pretty solid back there, and he's a talented kid. You know, he's, he's a guy that's been built for this. He was a prospect at at the younger you know uh, the younger part of his high school uh, career before he transferred and then ended up at Michigan. So he's a very good player, very good player. Blake Corum is the guy that's going to 
you know, stir the drink, so to speak. The Michigan yeah. running game has been good. Corum has been one of those guys, maybe, maybe a little bit like Nick Singleton in the fact that probably his stats show more of the explosive, get to the ball to the outside, break off a 27 yard run and, you know, and, and things like that. Running between the tackles has been a little bit tougher sledding, but he's great back. He, he's worked his way into it. St. Francis uh, played at St. Francis. I think he started at Pilate uh, before that, um, but has worked his way into an NFL prospect and done a phenomenal job. Outside, Ronnie Bell is a guy that uh, I think everybody remembers uh, from Penn State a couple of years ago. Cornelius Johnson, a guy that you know I, I really like coming out of high school. Um, yeah. Tight ends, very interesting. Eric All has missed the last three games. I believe he caught the uh, game-winning touchdown last year against Penn State. He's missed the last three games. But Luke Schoonmaker has really stepped up. He's got, uh, what, 20 catches in the last three games, three touchdowns. Um, he's, been, he's been quite good. So um, that offense has weapons. I don't know that the the receivers on either side are overwhelming to the point uh, that uh, that they can, you know, put up scores quickly. But this is, this is a talented football team. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's funny that you mentioned the receivers. I, I think you know certainly if you're looking at Penn State's strength defensively, uh, you know that's an area of the field that I think that Penn State would probably should feel good about. You know, should should come away um, feeling as though they're at least evenly matched uh, with what Michigan brings to the table. What are in, in your mind, you're drawing this up. Uh, how, how does Penn state beat Michigan on Saturday? Uh, Don Brown would have a word. Uh, you know, you look at what Penn state <laughs> is, you know, they they've done so many th- different things defensively, but they've got the corners to hang with those receivers. Like I said, Ronnie Bell, very, very good. They, they've got some other guys. Um, the the drop off is, is noticeable after those first two, uh, receivers in terms of production, but uh, Penn State's corners, I think, can can hang with them. So does that mean Manny Diaz just throws numbers at the offensive line? That's that's really what I would do. I think the offensive line is solid. It's good, good, solid to good, but also vulnerable at spots. You know, you can get uh, you can get to the quarterback. You can you can put pressure. And any team, even if you have a good offensive line, is going to struggle with numbers. So I, I think that that's something that we see Manny Diaz try to exploit. Um, just try and get after them with with numbers and and make the matchups work uh, work to your favor. Yeah, and and stop Blake Corum, right? It's 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 twofold with him. He Penn State has fallen into a, uh, you know, I'm not going to say a rhythm, but they'll let you run for five yards at a time. They, like they can live with that. They have shown that they can live with that. Uh, and you know, not as though they don't want. Curtis Jacobs and Tyler Elsden to, to, you know, hit their gap and play aggressive. James Franklin was talking about it last night. Uh, they, they want all of that, but they also don't want to make backbreaking mistakes. And so what Penn state has done an excellent job. I cannot hammer it home enough. This season is they just, they have not got gutted for home runs. Uh, that that's on the back end. That's with, with certainly with passing touchdowns, but it's also with rushing touchdowns. For the most part, uh, you know, and and what I noticed in watching Blake Corum and and Michigan is that's what he does. That's what he does is he 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 breaks off long ones that change the dynamic of the game, how the game is played, uh, and and the position from which Michigan can operate. James Franklin talked about it all week this week. That look 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 at don't just look at the stats with Michigan because those tell a sexy tale, right? They, they catch your eye and there's good reason for that. But 
so much of how those have played out this season for them have been based on the fact that they've had they've been able to produce leads early in games and then play with again dictating the terms of the game and how they want the game to go yeah no i i, I mean that's their style that's the way that they've been successful for so long uh, a couple of other things to add donovan edwards the backup running back insanely talented kid also a threat to catch the ball out of the backfield roman wilson third wide receiver also very good um and the one thing that i keep going back to with quorum we talk about um bouncing it outside and all that kind of stuff the cutback lane has been sort of an achilles heel in terms of penn state's uh, ability to uh stop the run and that's where runs turn from two yards into seven yards eight yards things like that yep. backside pursuit incredibly important against Blake Corum because he's such a good back, great vision, um, can find it. He's, he's little, but he's strong. You know, he's, he's got a ton of things working for him and that's going to, that's going to be one of those things where it's the difference between second and eight and second and three, second and two. And, and James Franklin was talking last night about staying on schedule. And, and part of that is, is keeping the other guy from being on schedule. And you mentioned, yes, they will get, I don't want to say gash, but they will give up five yard runs. They will give up those yeah. things. They're not giving up the big play, but you also want to you know, sort of tighten up a little bit and, and take just shaving yards off of run sort of that. We talk about hidden yardage in special teams. You've got that in defense as well, where a running back can be so effective falling forward for an extra two or three yards. And it changes the dynamic of how you call the next play. That's what we're talking about with the, with Penn state's defenses is to wrap up to not let him get to the backside because when he gets to the backside, that's when you know it, it becomes second and one. Yep. We will. Uh, do you have anything more on Michigan that you want to address before? Uh, I don't necessarily want to. I mean, we're going to make our picks here, but uh, I, I do want to talk very quickly about the the line and whether or not you are interested in where it's been. Like, does that? I don't know. I don't know. It, seems, it yeah, seems like an interesting yeah, no. line. It just seems like an interesting conversation point because uh, I, between the over under at 52 and then the line itself at seven, um, you know, I, I'm just curious where you fall on that. Just just watching Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin, 52 seems like a lot in the in those games. <laughs> you mentioned uh, how these things sort of come together and following wins. Of, I love I love Winsipedia, by the way. You just, uh, you know, scroll over it. But uh, last two games, 21-17. 27 17 uh yeah i don't want to say well under but you know pretty pretty decently from a, from a gambling perspective so i i think the under is the play in this game uh you know weather shouldn't be a factor but it, it's october in the big 10 so um the under is is what screams out to me which means we're probably going to be in for like a 43 41 game or something like yeah, that yeah I'm right. completely wrong on this uh, on this stuff sometimes um, yeah, so but uh, that that's the thing that jumped out to me. That's a that's a lot of points for a, for a Penn State Michigan matchup. I would say. Yeah, you, yeah. We'll see. What but, do you? What but, do but I see? Models that that have it well over. So yeah, no? right, right, right. What uh, what do you have? What's your? How do you see this game going? What's your pick? Uh, well, I did want to talk a little defense. I know you got to you got to roll what? here, but uh, Mozzie Smith, uh, Mike Morris, uh, the pass rusher is something to be aware of. I'm still from a Penn State covering Penn State perspective. Still, the same spots worry me. Right tackle with Caden Wallace. I think they're going to throw a ton at Caden Wallace, and that's going to be something they're going to have to address with an extra tight end, a running back, something like that, because these guys can't get to the passer. Uh, passer. Iabi Anoma, which, which is, I'm saying, his old name because that's what Penn State fans will recognize him from, from St. Francis. Of course, went to Alabama. Um, you know, he's 
a talented guy that probably is still a little bit rough around the edges. DJ Turner, Mike Sandra still uh, junior Colson is a, is a guy that I loved out of high school. And I mean, you just look at from a Penn state perspective, Penn state fan perspective, following recruiting, there's a ton of familiar names out here. So you'll be like, just like, Oh, I know that guy, Makari page, uh, RJ Moten from New Jersey. There's just a bunch of those guys. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a Michigan. It's this Michigan team is in tune with its identity on both sides of the ball. Um, that's basically, it's a really good compliment that I can give because it's been such a successful program, but I did just want to touch on the defense prediction. Um, I've got Michigan winning 24, 17, very, very tough to go on the road. Um, you know, those games in the, the latter part of the last decade were not close. Um, Penn state did win the last time they were, they were out there. Um, but that was, uh, that was a COVID year, I believe. Um, so yeah, a couple of things at play there. Um, but playing on the road against a really, you know, a really good team in Michigan. Uh, I have Penn State playing a close game, getting after Michigan, but coming up a little bit short. Yeah, and I have I have the same. We're going to make all Penn State fans uh, upset with us today. Yeah, they uh, like Ryan and Greg this week for some reason. So <laughs> I'm nice. Uh, 27-24, I have Michigan winning. I, you know, look, like, do, do I think that this is – uh, a, a game that Penn State can win, definitely. Uh, there, there is not a there, there is not this broad based evidence that you know it's like an impossible task to to complete for them. It's just a, a little to me. It feels like a game where a little bit of unpredictability comes in, in the sense of d- d- does Nick Singleton's chunk run, chunk runs. Do they go for touchdowns? Like, can he, you know, foot race guys the way that he did at Auburn uh, and and get into the end zone? Can can Mitchell Tinsley turn again? Like I stressed earlier, you know, that thirty yard reception into a touchdown. Uh, I, I don't know. They got to make the thirty right thirty yard reception first. I mean, you, totally the element of what Jahan was so good at and just. Yep snatching that snatching the big play from absolutely nothing in a yep. oftentimes a bad throw and yep. <laughs> we haven't seen that from them and that that to me is you know quarterback right tackle wide receiver on offense you still got questions there I, I i think what you're trying to say michigan is not overwhelming in the matchups in any area you don't look at one spot and say michigan is so much better than penn state in this area you don't look at the uh, the opposite and say penn state is so much better than michigan in this area which is why we're both predicting predicting a close game yeah that goes back to you know do do you which which sort of uh which guy on that field can go out and make the big play and 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 turn it into six and and that's where we i think we both have our concerns yeah, yeah, for yeah for for Penn State certainly uh, should be an interesting game. Sean Clifford obviously is going to be uh, a, a focal point how the offensive line holds up, uh, but then on the other side of the ball, JJ McCarthy, uh, Blake Corum, that'll be that'll be something that Penn State fans are are um, you know it's not it's not just them. It's how does how does Penn State's defensive line stack up against that offensive line? Right. I mean, I just you could see the way that it's going to trend in that so much of opening the door to those pieces, those, those explosive pieces that we talked about having success or not is going to be one at the point of it. I mean, uh, I hate saying that's such a cliche, but right. Like it, yeah. it just will. It, it's uh, these are the types of games where you have to be able to hang at that level 
to get to that point where it's an opportunity in the first place. Absolutely. So. And, and rattle, rattle the quarter, rattle the younger quarterback, you know, James, uh, Sean Clifford has, has seen this thing before and you know, he hasn't always played well in this situation, but a young quarterback playing in, I don't want to say his first big start, but this is, you know, as a, as a full, as essentially a full-time starter, McCarthy yeah. is, is playing a, a really big game um, as a starter for the first time. So um, yeah, get after him, throw numbers at them, throw waves at them. If you can keep McCarthy in front of you, cause he can run, he will be able to rip off chunks and it will be mega frustrating for this defense. If they can't keep, one of those guys in the pocket in front of him. I'm not saying a spy. I don't think he's a guy that you spy, but I think he's a guy that you have to keep in front. It's just that's that's where you've got to take those experiences. As, as Franklin said last night about, I think he was talking about Mustafer, but he kind of took it to the entire team. Those guys that have that experience that have played in this situation before, that if they do their job, it opens up for those younger guys to make – try and make the impact and, and make that uh, make that transition to playing in the big game much easier for them. Yep. All right. Well, that's it from us. Either way, it's going to be interesting. We're, we're certainly excited to, to go out and cover this game. Uh, Sean, uh, we will be back with Greg on Saturday after the game. Looking forward to it. And uh, we will talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Uh, don't forget to like our video. Um, we, we, I know it sounds redundant, but it is running out. Uh, we'll be done at the end of next week. So check us out. We've got a ton of stuff um, from uh, recruiting for next weekend for the whiteout as well. But we always enjoy our trips to Ann Arbor and uh, it'll be a good one.